What's holding you back from your dreams? Today's episode, eight things that could be holding you back from having the life that you want. We'll be right back. Hello, it's Timmy Gibson. <laughs> Hello, hi, howdy, hey, ho. Oh, what a beautiful day in the neighborhood. What a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. Won't you be mine? <laughs> oh, you're thinking, is Timmy on drugs today? Nope, not on drugs today. I uh, would like to talk about a few things that could be holding you back. Things that hold us all back. Things that, that get in our way. And I just came up with a list of eight things. I'm sure there's hundreds and millions of things. <laughs> I mean, if we're honest, right? I mean, I think for each person, there's different things that could be challenging to us. But I think the eight things that I'm going to mention are the eight primary, meaning everything that could ever get in our way, I think would fall under one of these eight. So let's get into it for today's show. Eight things that could be holding you back from living your dreams. Number one, the words of your mouth. Now, I know people get really... You get into the, all the the positive affirmations. I'm healthy, wealthy, beautiful, happy. You know, we and and we all like to make fun of that. I know I I I make fun of it, but I also live by it. <laughs> you know, I believe in the power of our words. Uh, even the ancient scripture in Proverbs says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And you know, what we say is powerful. You know, even Jesus is recorded as saying, you know, whatsoever you desire, when you say, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. In other words, whatever you say is what's going to be your life. And there's another verse that says, um, we're going to eat the fruit of our words. We're going to eat the fruit of our lips, actually, I think is how it's worded. So I really do believe it's important what we say. And, and, and here's what, here's what I think we could all agree on or what I think everybody and you know, everybody would say, Oh yeah, no, I agree with that. Words are powerful. And what we say to people can encourage them or discourage them. It can help them or hurt them. It can inspire them or defeat them. It can uh, create faith and hope, uh, or it can create fear, worry, and anxiety through words through words. So I think that words are critical and not just what we say to others and what we say to ourselves, but what we say, period, you know, what we put out in the universe. And I'm constantly being corrected within myself for this. And even, even recently have realized that, that I've said things that I'm asking myself, is that necessary to say, you know, even when something's true, do we need to say it? And what I mean that by that is not that we don't speak truth, but it, do I need to say that bad thing about so-and-so, even if it is true? Now, there are always exceptions to every rule. This doesn't mean that we bury our head in the sand and ignore the things that, that are that, you know, that should be called out and, and mentioned and dealt with. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that our words are powerful, not just the words that we say to others, not just the words that we say to ourselves, but the words that we say in general. So when we think about gossip and we think about bad mouthing and slander and those things, that's the thing that I think could be holding us back. And not to mention what we say to others, but what we say to ourselves. Often we're our worst enemy. You know, we'll, we'll, we would never say some of the discouraging things that we say to ourselves, to our friends, to those that we love, to those closest to us. You know, we, we say the most nasty things. To ourselves, you know, we'll look in the mirror and think, 
I'm ugly, you know, or I'm fat or I'm worthless or I can't do this. I'm dumb or I, like whatever it might be, whatever it is, you know, we all have our, our, our verbal vomit that we say about ourselves. And so in this particular episode, these eight things are things that all of us can adjust and can do better at, including myself. I mean, just because I, I talk about these things or teach these things or share these, these things doesn't mean that I'm, I'm doing them perfectly. I'm just aware. I'm, I'm aware of my words. And I think that's the start of any kind of change in life is becoming aware. Matter of fact, I, I would I would say 100%. I, I feel that way. I feel that the first step in change is to become aware of what needs to change. So take a look at your words. Do they need to change? Do they need to improve? Do they need to be uh, looked in at, inspected, checked, altered, deleted? So think about that for a second. The words of your mouth. What are you saying? about yourself, about others, about this world, about the future, about the past, about the present. Number two, fear of failure. Fear of failure. Often we don't try because we feel like we won't be able to do it. I remember when my son was little, he got into this negative state. I'm not sure what was up with him, but he just became this ultimately, um, or he just became... And I think all kids go through that, or all people go through that. I mean, it, I, I feel like we all go through stages in life, and and my son has has grown from that that era of his life. But it was just like everything was so negative. And when we, we you know, he talked about basketball, said you're going to try out for basketball, and he's like, no, I'm not going to try out because I won't make it. I'm like, well, do you want to be on the basketball team? Yes, but I won't make it. I'm not good enough. And I said, buddy. And of course, you know, I'm an adult and I've seen all the kids play and I know that they all sucked. (laughs) And and I know that, that my son was actually, uh, not the best on the team, but not the worst on the team. I mean, he was, he was good, um, real good, but he definitely wasn't the worst. So his negativity about and his fear of failure of not making the team, it just was, it was, it was inaccurate. I mean, it just wasn't actually true. And so it, it just, it hurt my heart that he felt that way about himself because I'm, I'm thinking, dude, like I've, I've watched, I've watched you all play and you're good. Like you're, you're actually good. Um, so like, you're wrong, buddy. Like, like you actually will make the team. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I know this, I, I don't just think this cause you're my son. Like I, I know I, I've seen everybody that's trying out and, and you're definitely in the top half of, of those trying out. So, you know, clearly you're, you're going to make the team, but when we have that fear of failure and wherever that comes from, I mean, that again, becoming aware of the fear of failure and recognizing how it is hindering you or keeping you from uh, achieving your dreams or, or trying. And that's often what fear does. Fear is paralyzing. Fear just, it's, it's fear just keeps us from even trying. So what, what fear does is it just stops you from even giving any kind of effort to succeeding. Right. So fear is a real disability because it, it stops you before you even take a step. So that's the second one. Number three, this is probably, I would say this is probably the biggest one. And, and frankly, I could say, forget the eight things. There's one thing that holds us back in life. And this is, this would be the one that I would mention. Unresolved past. So whether you were raised in a good family, in a bad family, in a happy family, in a sad family, if you're abused, not abused, you're Raised with a silver spoon in your, to- in your tooth, <laughs> a silver spoon in your mouth. <laughs> Whether you're raised, you know, with brothers and sisters, you know, siblings, no siblings, parents, no parents, divorced home, single parent home, foster home, raised on the streets, w- w- raised in a, a jungle by monkeys. I mean, it, unresolved past issues. The 
the, the key word, right, is unresolved. Here's the thing about life. We all know this. We all have a past. Everybody. We all do. Everybody. All of us have a past. Some good, some bad, some indifferent. Just depends, right? Just depends. But the reality is everyone has a past. Everyone. And because we have a past, we have issues in our past. Again, some good, some bad, some indifferent, some whatever. But when we have unresolved issues from mistreatment, from abuse, from whatever, failure, whatever it is, when it's unresolved, that's where it causes us problems. And say, so, so what, what does that, what does it mean? What's the unresolved in, in music? And I'm not, I don't know anything about music theory, um, but unresolved is, is a, I think I I should have looked this up before I probably started talking about it, but unresolved is, I I think, I think it could be used. Oh, I hope I'm right. I think the unresolved is, is like, it, it could be a musical term where if it's unresolved, meaning or a sustained note, maybe that's what it is, but it's like a note that just keeps playing. And here's what's wild. So if you hit a note, you know, right. And it just continues on, you know, like on a piano, you, you push your foot on the pedal and you hit the key and it, rather than just bing, when you hit the key with the sustained pedal on, it's like bing and it just sustains it. Right. Unresolved issues are like a sustained note. It's, it's this, it's whatever happened in the past, the bing, the, the initial pressing of the key. And when it's unresolved, it's sustained. It, it, it carries through into the present. And when it's an unresolved, like, okay, for example, let's say you went through a divorce. Let's just pick that one. Let's say you, you went through a divorce. And if you never resolved that issue, meaning really sat with the divorce, what was your role in the demise of the marriage? Because here's the thing, and here's what, what, what one of the things that I'm learning in particular, like right currently, is personal responsibility. When I think about the demise of a, of a marriage, or I think about any demise of anything, when I think of any kind of an unresolved issue, often what we try to do is we think about what the other person did wrong, what the other person did to mess it up, what the other person did to mess up my life, how the other person was wrong, and how the other person was less than, how the other person was, okay? That is not helpful at all. It's just not helpful. The only thing that is helpful for you or for me is taking personal responsibility. How did I contribute to the demise of this relationship? Now, sometimes that's easy because you did something shitty, right? You cheated, you you lied, you did, you did something, right? It's just easy to go, well, that's where I fucked up. Like that's easy. <laughs> that's easy to figure out. <laughs> it's clear as a bell. Here's what I did. But it goes deeper than that. It's not just what we did to bring that result, but what led to that? Why, why did you do that? How did you get to that place? Is this part of um, another past unresolved issue? Uh, is it, it, you know what I'm saying? Like what, what unresolved issue from the past? I know for me personally, my healing journey really, really, really began when I started looking into only unresolved. Some things in the past are resolved. Some things I've, I've been able to settle, you know, now some things we think we've settled, but they're nipping at our heel because burying something or just stuffing something that's not dealing with an unresolved past. That's when you stuff something, that's not, you're not resolving the past. You're stuffing the past. There's a big difference between stuffing and resolving. So 
what I'm, you know, what I'm referring to here is, is a resolving, you have to resolve it, you know, let that perpetrator go, let that offense go, forgive that person. Um, and, and, and once you do that, once you actually come to a resolve where you let it go, that's when you can really then begin to move, move forward. You, it, living in the past is not helpful, right? The past is completely it's not, it's, it's not existent. It doesn't exist. It, it doesn't even exist. And by us bringing it into the present in our minds, we're only just rehashing something from the past. That's not necessary. It's not, it's not helpful. One of the practices that, that I've, I've done even before I really even realized how powerful this principle was, is the, the principle of going and ordering a helium balloon. And in fact, I highly recommend you do this call some kind of party store order for all you and your family. I would do this, get helium balloons for each you, your partner, your kids, whatever, or your friend, whatever. Everybody get a helium balloon, preferably white or some yellow or something that's lighter because when you get it home, you're going to write on it. You're going to write some unresolved issues, you know, forgiveness for your father, forgiveness for your mother, forgiveness for yourself, forgiveness for your uh, ex forgiveness for this child thing or this, like whatever, whatever it is, you write this on this helium balloon and then you release it and you let it go, which is just a symbol, you know, that it's, it's not magical. Like, Oh my gosh, as soon as I wrote it on the balloon and let it go. But there, it's just a, it's just a, um, ah, what's the word I'm looking for. It's just a, a way to, um, to visualize. There you go. It's a way for you to visualize the, the act of, letting something go. And, and so that, you know, I said unresolved past, but also letting the past go. But there is that, there is that part of what is in your life from your past that's not resolved, you know, something that maybe happened, something traumatic that happened to you to be able to, to resolve it. And here's the thing, resolving, unless something is a current, um, unhealthy situation, right? Like, like for example, like if you got divorced because your husband was physically abusive, right? Well, then I would probably, you know, say that eh, reconciliation probably isn't, isn't necessary or needed. But if, if a marriage ended for any other reason, millions of reasons that a marriage can, can end, meaning there's, there's not an in, intimate, intimate or intimate danger. In other words, you're not in danger. Okay. So outside of there being danger, a physical, abusive, dangerous situation, uh, outside of that, there can be reconciliation. Doesn't mean you have to get back together. Now, see, that's the thing. Reconciliation doesn't mean that you then get back together with this person. Now that can happen. And it, it, I just heard of a story recently, a couple got divorced. It was nasty. I guess it was a nasty divorce from what she told me, a really nasty divorce. And I want to say five years, I think it was five years later. Um, they're now back together and, and, uh, got married again and all that, but it took five years of healing for each of them to even get back to a place that they could even consider that. And that was never even an option for them, but what a beautiful story, you know, because often what, who you start the race with is often who you want to finish with, you know, but that doesn't always work out. And so no shame and guilt for those that move on and find another, uh, another love and, and or find true love and, and move on and, and live a happy life forever. Uh, there's just so many different situations. I've I've known of people that got divorced and then met somebody else, and their their ex met somebody else, and both of them became great friends as couples, and they were all so happy. So I mean, there's so many different scenarios of how things can go. But I think what what's an important piece is the resolving the past, the hurt, the pain, and and forgiveness is key. Which I, I'm skipping ahead. That's actually the next one, but also reconciliation. Uh, if at all possible, right? Is And all you can do is live at peace as much as it depends upon you, right? I can't make someone uh, reconcile. I can't make someone forgive. I can't make someone resolve past issues. I can't, I can't. Uh, all I can do is, is do, all I can do is deal with myself. Now, can I aid in someone's ability to forgive? Well, of course, right? By being, you know, of course, of course. 
I mean, our actions uh, can do that for sure. Uh, and that's important to do. Um, but ultimately, again, ultimately, we are only in charge of ourselves, only accountable to ourselves. All right. The next one is the, I already skipped ahead, is uh, unforgiveness. It, bitterness, resentment is another way to put it. These are things that hold us back. Un, not forgiving someone, you know, holding on to, to bitterness and resentment. And I've heard this said, but, you know, bitterness is is the poison that we intend for someone else that we, in fact, drink ourselves. I, I'm, I'm messing that up. I'm butchering that comment, but that's the gist of it. In other words, bitterness is 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 a poison that we're trying to, you know, we're hoping that the person that we're bitter at will drink. But in fact, bitterness is the is the poison that we end up taking ourselves. And so it's just not helpful. And we've all struggled with it. I know, I mean, again, it goes back to the key part to all of this is being aware. It's being aware. I'm aware that I'm bitter towards my ex, or I'm aware that I'm bitter towards my my boss, or I'm aware that I'm bitter towards my mom or my dad. I'm, I'm aware. Becoming the... The, you know, when you're aware of something, you can deal with it, right? It's it's like anything in life, right? If you're aware of something, then you can address it, but you have to be aware of it. And so, how, so here's what comes to my mind right now. So, Timmy, how can I be aware of it? I don't know. Everything in my life is perfect, or I am perfect. <laughs> I don't think I have any ill will towards anyone, and maybe you don't. I mean, you don't. I mean, not everybody. I mean, the reality is not everybody has super deep issues. I mean, we all have issues, right? I mean, that's just part of the human condition. But some aren't as deep and as wounded as others. So, again, how how do you become aware? Is you sit with it and allowing for your allowing yourself some quiet moments. That's one of the things I think that is is uh, a threat to health emotional health is time. And what I mean by that is this, we, we get up, we turn the TV on, we start watching news while we're making our coffee, doing our breakfast, while we're getting dressed, doing our hair, putting our makeup on, doing all that. We grab our keys, we turn the TV off, we run out the door, we jump in our car. The second we get in the car, boom, we hit the radio or whatever. And we get to work and our friend is texting us on the way into work. We get in the office. We, you know, sit down. Boom, 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 boom. You know, we drink our coffee. We click our email. We start going through the day, and da, 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 da. and it's just constant go, 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 go. Now, someone might be listening to this thing, and wow, that's not my life, man. I, I have, you know, plenty of time. I'm not. I work from home, or da, yeah. But think about it. You get up. You get on your phone. You check your. You check your text. You check your Instagram. You check your TikTok. You check your Facebook. You check your Snap. You send a Snap. You look at a couple Snaps. You laugh. You watch a video, and then, you know it's like it's just constant go 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 go, and you never take time to sit with yourself. So so what I think is even so I think the first step. So I I said in the beginning that you know the awareness is the first step. Actually, I think there's a first there's a step before that. The step before that is to sit with it. It's it's if you aren't aware of anything, then maybe you're not sitting with that, right? Sitting in silence and and journaling, or just sitting in silence and just kind of checking your life. And then I would imagine that you're sitting with yourself and sitting with it will then bring up the awareness of certain things. All right, number five, a lack of love for yourself. A lack of love for yourself. I heard, um, I think it was Louise Hay. Uh, she's she's passed away now, but she was a, I think she was like a life coach, um, metaphysical teacher, I think. And she has lots of great guided meditations that, that I do. Pretty much I do a Louise Hay <laughs> guided meditation every single day. Um, sometimes most, most of the time I'm doing one every morning and every night. Um, I'll be honest, as of late, I've been pretty much just doing the one at, at night as I fall asleep. Uh, but if I don't do that one, then I, I really try to do the, the morning one for sure. 
But she talks a lot about loving yourself. But she said something, and and I think she actually wrote a book by this title. And it just, when I heard it, it just like touched my heart. And she said, um, "The world loves you." I think is what she said. I think that's I think that's what she said. She said, "The world loves you," and and of course, you know, if you're if you're listening to this, you know, if you're a come from more of like a Christian or a religious perspective, you, you know, God loves me, right? And that's something that, that I grew up hearing all the time. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. So one of the same, you know, it's just whatever, whatever your, whatever your belief system is, but just knowing that, that, that the world loves you because I, I, I've heard, I actually heard someone say this, this was years ago. And, and even then I, I challenged the, the, the words of this person, but they said, you know, I'm just cursed. I'm just cursed. You know, this, this world is just has it out for me. And I was just like, Oh, I was like, Oh, don't, 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 don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, don't say that. You got to change your confession. Um, you got to get a checkup from the neck up to eliminate stinking thinking. And, and so I, I challenged this person and I said, no, I mean, what, what would make you say that? Right. I mean, good happens to all of us. Bad happens to all of us. And just because maybe there's some, you know, bad things happening to us. It, it, it doesn't mean we're cursed. You know, we, we, again, you have to look into that, right. We have to sit with that and, and ask ourselves what, what is happening here? You know, why is this happening? And becoming aware of those things is critically important, but loving yourself is, is absolutely a key in, in being, you know, healthy, wealthy, happy, uh, successful. And when I say healthy, wealthy, happy, uh, when I say wealth, like, you know, in most people's mind, you say wealth and you think, you know, dollar signs and boats and yachts and planes and trains and big houses and beaches. And, I mean, and, and that's fine. Like that, there's nothing wrong with all those things. I mean, who, if we're honest, who wouldn't desire uh, the ability to have those things, right? Not everybody would want those things, even if they had it, or even if they had the money to buy it, some would and some wouldn't. That's fine. It, it, everybody has their own thing. But, but knowing that you're loved is a key element in, you know, bringing abundance to yourself. Because if you, if you don't think, if you're, if you don't feel like the world loves you, which goes back to a, a teaching that a friend of mine teaches as about the law of abundance and the law of abundance is, you know, you have to be, I'm, you know, I'm worthy, I'm, I'm deserving and Love is the first, that's the key, that's the key, that's a key element in abundance. If you don't feel, if you're, if you don't feel like the world loves you, then you don't feel, then I think the following statement would be, then you don't feel like you deserve it. You don't think you're worthy of it, but you are worthy of it and you do deserve it. And this world does love you. And it's, it, I say, well, I feel different. Well, it doesn't matter what you feel. (laughs) Feelings aren't, feelings are important, but they are they aren't something we should be listening to and following right and i'm not talking about an intuition i'm talking about that feeling right if you you feel happy then you're happy if you feel sad then you're sad no you know it's not based on feelings it's based upon a decision based upon a commitment and based upon a knowing i know that i'm loved i know that god loves me i know that the world loves me i know that this universe is conspiring to bless me right? Not conspiring against me. This universe is conspiring for me, right? It's working on my behalf to bring me whatever it is that I dream and hope for. All right. The second one or the, the, the next one is next one. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Number six, lack of belief. You believe you can, you believe you can't, you're right. It's a famous quote. We all, we, everybody's heard that quote. If you believe you can, if you believe you can't, you're right. The, 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 it, it's, it is critically important what you believe. What you believe is huge. How do you change beliefs? Well, the words that you say, what you listen to, what you see, right? What you put your energy into. So holding you back might be your beliefs, believing you can. Believing you, believing you can often leads to believing 
or action steps, right? If you believe you can, then you'll try. If you believe you can't, you won't even try. So belief is a is a is a really key principle in living your dreams. Believing you deserve it, believing that you're worthy of it, believing that you can achieve it, that you're smart enough, tall enough, whatever enough. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more on things that might be holding you back and how you can overcome them. All right, be right back. And we're back. Eight things that could be holding you back from living your dreams. Eight things that could be fucking up your life. (laughs) That's what I'm going to title this. (laughs) All right, we left off with the lack of belief. That could be holding you back. I mean, what you believe about yourself determines a lot of what you'll do, right? If you believe you can, you'll try. If you believe you can't, you won't even attempt it, right? It's it's really, when you believe you can, so it's like a job, right? You can be offered a job, but if you think that you can't do it, then you might not even take the job or even apply for the job. But when you believe that you can, that that overcomes that hurdle. So, and sometimes it's just, you know, you you just have to be, uh, I don't know if this is the correct word, but, you know, just ignorant enough to just say, I can do this and try it. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the simple power of belief will change your life. And it could be holding you back, you know, that again, sitting with that, being aware, how are my beliefs or lack of affecting my life, right? All right. Number seven. Negative thoughts, negative thoughts. This is a, this is a big issue within, um, or a big issue. This is a, um, well, yeah, it's a big issue within the the media, you know, within news. That's one of the reasons I don't watch the news. It's, it's just, it's just so utterly negative. It's this crash, this death, this attack, this robbery, this disease this i mean it is i don't see how people do it i mean i I, well i think part of the the craziness that we live in is just the prop the uh, what's the word the negative propaganda i mean it's just now listen there's always negative in the world but there's always positive in the world that's just the thing you know for me it's like balance i'm not saying I'm not saying bury your head in the sand and be like, la, 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 la. I mean, that's, I'm not, I don't think that's necessarily helpful either. I mean, you'll be much happier (laughs) by having your head in the sand like that. But I'm not saying that we're not, that, that we ignore or uh, try to, to glaze over or act as if something isn't, real, right? But to focus our every attention on it. I had a friend tell me the other day that uh, he had a friend that that had a, a checkup, went to the doctor for a checkup. And there was a irregular something. And the doctor even said, there's a less than 1% chance this is anything. Okay. Less, less than 1% it was anything. And my friend was telling me that that his friend was just absolutely and utterly a wreck, just a wreck. And f- for me, as I heard that, I thought, isn't that fascinating? That ninety nine, more than ninety nine percent, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I mean, the doctor said it's a less than 1% chance it's anything, but we're going to send it off to the lab just just because, just to be safe. But from everything, it's less than 1%. That less than 1% has caused this person to lose their appetite, be emotionally distraught, all of this based upon less than 1%. And I find that fascinating because it seems that our brains, for whatever re- or some people's brains, when given the option to be hope-filled or fear-filled, it, we choose fear. Now, granted, okay, 
let me let me just share here that if the doctor said there's a 50-50 chance, well, okay, at a 50-50 chance, like you're flipping a quarter, yes, I can understand some some concern and all that. Of course, of course, okay. But again, I don't teach to bury your head in the sand. What I'm, what I teach, and what I believe, and what I'm trying to live myself, is when when we're given a scenario like 99% to 1%, then obviously go with the nine, right? Go with the majority for sure. But even in the 50-50, in other words, there's just as much of a chance that it's good. There's going to be a good outcome that there is that it's going to be a bad outcome. Then. Then, then, and, and all of life is like this, right? All of life is like this. There, there, it's always kind of a 50 50, right? When there's layoffs, at, at, there's layoffs happening at the company. Well, there's a 50 50 chance you could get laid off. So, typically, what our brain does is we always bend to the negative. Again, not everyone does this, but most people bend, right? Even the 99%, 99%, you're going to be just fine but there is a chance I could die. And so that's what we hone in on. Right. And we, we, it's like, it's like when we're given the 99% it's going to be okay. And 1% not, we turn our emotions into turning that and flipping that to the 99% of what's consuming our brains is that with that 1%, it's like 99% or even a hundred percent of our brains then focus in on the 1% rather than not giving the power to the negative. So even when it's 50-50, right? Back, back to my son trying out for the basketball team. I mean, was there a chance that he wouldn't make the team? Actually, no, there really wasn't even a chance that he wouldn't have made the team <laughs> if he had not have tried out. That, the key was he had to try out. If he didn't try out, he for sure wasn't going to make the team. But let's just say, let's say there was a 1% chance, right? This 1%, maybe all the people that I was watching play were actually farting around and they were actually super good. And, you know, and so I'm getting the wrong estimate, right? Let's say they all were going to try out and all of a sudden they all were like Michael Jordan's, right? But that's, that was such a slim chance. I mean, we're talking 1% chance that my son didn't make the team. Well, long story short, he he tried out. He did make the team, of course. But the energy and the time that he spent on worrying about not making the team was just wasted worry. It was just wasted energy. It was wasted emotions. So I truly believe that negative thoughts, though in some circumstances, right, there are there's always exceptions to every rule. You know, it can be helpful to to think negatively to, to, I, I get that right. To look at things critically, what could go wrong in order to fix that, which could go wrong. I get that. Okay. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about in general, I'm talking about in general, we have a choice to say it's going to go well, or it's going to go poorly. Right. Especially at the time when you're looking at, when you're projecting into the future, right? You're getting ready to take it. You're getting ready to go in to take an interview. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm not going to get the job. I'm not going to get the job. Well, (laughs) you know, and sometimes people, even with negative attitudes, I'm not going to get the job. And then they get the job and they're so surprised. But my philosophy and what I teach and and part of the the books I've read that that have helped me it's not so much about just the the outcome as much as it is the journey, right? Life is a journey. It's not a destination. It's a journey. So along the journey, why not have a journey of joy, a journey of prosperity, a journey of health and wealth and happiness? And because here's why a lot of the journey is in our mindsets. So, you know, again, going back to the story of my son, he spent that energy and time in fear and worry and failure when he could have just either been neutral or spent that time in positivity. And he said, Timmy, why does it even fucking matter? Why does it really matter? Well, it matters because, well, it matters physiologically because 
what joy and love and positivity and happiness and hope bring to the physical body. It's health. It not only does it give you better results, truly, and you know puts out the right vibration out in the world, but it's also it's a health thing. One of the reasons I I I you know um, tried. Not, not, I don't try, but the reason I, I, I can, how can I put this? The reason that I feel that it's so important to maintain an attitude of love and forgiveness and happiness and joy and peace and faith and hope and love. Like one of the main reasons that I like to try to keep myself in that zone all the time is that it produces health. It produces health. And I, want to be healthy. <laughs> and so if given the opportunity to think that it's going to fail or it's going to succeed, I just bend towards it's going to succeed. If I do this, it will work. Now you might think now, now Timmy, that's, but that's just wishful thinking or that's just, you know, blind hope or that's, or whatever. Okay. But when we don't know, right? If we don't know the outcome, right? When we're walking into the job interview, you don't know if you're going to get the job or not at that point, right? You don't, you don't know whether you will get it or you won't get it. You At that point, you don't know. So why would we spend our energy on the negative? I'm not going to get the job. I'm not going to get the job. Why? I mean, when it's a choice at that point, when it's a choice to decide, I'm going to believe I can, or I'm going to believe I can't, why not? Just because people, well, because then you get your hopes up and then you're let down. Okay. I don't see, I don't understand that thinking <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand that, that thinking. Um, I think, I think now, well, I guess what my answer to that be like, what came to my mind just as I said that would be, well, if you can't be positive, which you can, but if, if, you know, if you're an extremely negative person, if you're one of those people that, well, I'm going to try it, but it won't work out or I'll probably lose all my money if I invest this way, if I do the, okay. So at least if, if, if we're looking at a speedometer and to the left is zero and fully to the right is a hundred, let's just say, well, let's make it a Bugatti. Let's say it's 300. So zero to 300. Why not? So zero being negative, 300 being positive, why not at least be neutral? You know, how do you think you're going to do on the, on the interview? Well, you know, I studied, I researched the company, uh, I researched, I researched the, the president of the company. So I feel like I'm coming into it, you know, we'll see, right. It, it could go either way. Well, that to me, to me, that's more of an honest answer, right? Like if had my son said, yeah, I'm really nervous about trying out for the basketball team. Um, you know, I really want to make it. And so, um, but all I can do is try out. Hopefully I'll make it. If I don't, whatever. In other words, at least that's more of a neutral zone, right? Because, because before you don't know, will you get the job? Well, you don't know. You have to interview first. You have to go through the process, but you might get the job, but you might not get the job. So, you know, if, if positivity is just something you just can't do, you know, there's some people are just like anti-positive, <laughs> like just as much as I'm positive, they're, they're negative. My thing is then move the needle to, to the middle, move the middle, just move it to the middle, at least be in the middle where you can walk into a situation. And rather than saying, I'll probably fail, I'll probably lose. I probably won't make it. I would say rather than being on the negative side, why not just be neutral? You know, I don't know what's going to happen, which is, that's an honest answer, right? It's an honest answer. You don't know for sure. You might get the job and you might not, but at this point you don't know, right? Okay. So from negative to positive, last fearful thoughts, living in fear. And I talked about fear of failure, but just fear in general. Fear of, you know, end of the world. And it's wild that, again, I can only think of this in, in the context of what I have personally experienced. And that is fear of, 
things being bad in the world, right? Fear of who's going to get elected, fear of who's going to run our country, fear of what the laws are going to be, fear of this, fear of this disease, fear of this pandemic, fear of this, fear of that, fear of this, and letting fear, when does fear become an issue when it begins to dictate what we do and don't do? That's, I think when fear, fear is a disability, truly fear is a disability. It, it keeps us from doing things that we would benefit from or that we just enjoy. You know, there are all kinds of fears, fear of flying, fear of this, fear of that. I mean, you know, I mean, we all know the, all, there's so many different fears and there's a name for all of them. And I remember for me, I, I, and I believe fear is pretty learned. Um, I think it's a part of nurture and it's also a part of media. I'll be honest with you. I can't watch. If I watch the news, if I watch the news all day, even if I spent a couple hours, if I watch the news, oh man, it would, it would mess me up. It messed me up. It, 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 it just would. Uh, I, I couldn't watch about an economic crash and everybody dying of a disease for two hours and then be like, all right, cool. Let's go out to eat and invest some money. Like it would fear is paralyzing. It holds you back. I'll, I'll, I got one story and then I'll have a few more comments and then we'll be done today. But one of the things that uh, I remember from my life, I was given the opportunity several years back. Now there was something that they do, uh, it was it was called Faster Pastor. Okay, this is back when I was a pastor. There was this thing in Kansas City that they called Faster Pastor, and they invited all of all the senior pastors or many senior pastors in Kansas City to race in a auto race in a car race. And these people that own these race cars, obviously, you know, not high dollar race cars, but race cars nonetheless were would voluntarily or voluntarily allow a pastor to drive their race car in a race against other pastors well you know uh, uh, it sounded exciting to me right i was a little nervous about it but i was excited nonetheless so Someone signed me up or I signed myself up. However it happened, I ended up signing up. It happened. I, you know, I had to meet out at the racetrack. They gave you the kind of the one, two, three of the race car, which I was kind of surprised. It wasn't like a day of training, but anyway, I, I guess they figured everybody knows how to drive a car. So we're good. Anyway, got in this car or, or, or got to the racetrack, went out in the pits to, to meet the uh, car owner and the driver who was going to turn over the keys to me and let me drive his race car around the track for a seven lap race. Okay. Seven lap race. Well, I get there and I'm nervous. Of course, I mean, you would be nervous, right? You're in a fast car and, and you know, this car was nothing in it except a seat and a steering wheel and, you know, gas pedal and a, you know, gear shifter. I mean, it was like it roll, it was all uh, emptied out. So it was just a roll cage. Well, all of a sudden I was petrified. I mean, I was scared shitless. Like I literally almost shit my pants. I was so scared. Matter of fact, I was so scared that had they canceled the race, I would have been glad. And I was so scared that I was, I was contemplating backing out. Like I was petrified, petrified. But in my mind, I kept thinking to myself, no, Timmy, don't give in to fear. Once you get in the car, once you start going, you'll be fine. It's just a car. You know, you can do this. You're not going to die. Most likely, I mean, right. It's, it was possible. Like, I mean, it, right. The car could have caught on fire. I mean, there's right. It, it, so here's what was bad is that's the shit I was thinking about. Like, that's what I was thinking about because the, this car didn't have doors. Like I had to crawl in through the window. I sit in this metal seat and I'm harnessed in. So I'm wearing a jumpsuit. I'm harnessed in. And I'm, I'm feeling fear because I'm, I'm like, how do I get this belt off? Like, I, I don't, I don't like being strapped into something. You know, I, I liked, I mean, I don't mind wearing a seatbelt in a car, but if a seatbelt had like a bunch of, like if I had to wear like 20 seatbelts that I couldn't do it. Like there'd be too many restraints. Like I, I don't like being restrained. And so this seatbelt was just 
but it was just this big harness that just locked me in and it just made me really nervous at the thought of me not being able to push a button and jump out of the car. Not to mention, you had a helmet on. I had like all this stuff. It was just, yeah, I can, even now as I'm talking about it, I can remember the feeling. So I got in the car once I started the car and, and started moving, I, I all of a sudden was, was fine. I was excited. I was the, the, the nerves went to more of a nervous excitement. Anyway, I did real good in the race, but I say all that just to say that it, it was fear was paralyzing. It, it was everything in me wanted to quit and, and not do it. Uh, and I had to really push through that fear and force myself to, to do it. And thankfully, you know, I did have, I did have my dad with me, uh, who was, you know, he was helping me get in the car and he, you know, he's very encouraging and all that, but I was in a zone of just utter paralyzing fear and no one knew it. Matter of fact, when I told my dad this story, he was like, really? He goes, you didn't act scared. I don't know. I'm thinking, I said, well, of course not. Right. I mean, I don't, I didn't want to act scared. I didn't want to be that guy. And so I, I acted like everything was good. Now I was pretty quiet. Like I was stone quiet. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't talking and all my normal, I was not my normal chitter chattery, goofy self. Uh, I, I definitely was a little bit more, <laughs> I was a little bit more like quiet and, and, you know, if someone said something funny, I was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I did the same thing when it came to, to fear of flying for whatever reason, I used to be really scared to fly and, uh, you know, the fear of flying and then the desire to want to travel do not work well together. And so I, I really needed to overcome the fear of flying in order to, to, uh, to achieve my dreams and accomplish my dreams, which just real quick, there's a book, old book that if, if you wrestle with fear, there's a book I'd recommend. It's called, um, stop how to stop worrying and start living by Dale Carnegie. It's an old book, old book, but I think the principles in that are, are super, well, they were super helpful for me. How about that? They, they were helpful to me. Okay. They were helpful to me. And one of the principles that I'll just mention briefly, one of the principles in that was to, to sit with that fear and, and to be aware of it, right. To, to feel it, to experience it, and then to kind of unpack it. What's this fear coming from? What am I actually scared of? Right. And so part of what I was you know, for flying or anything, the, the race car, the flying, it's, it's usually, or at least for me in those two situations, it was a fear of, of dying, a fear of being hurt, a fear of being trapped, a fear of being powerless, right? But I worked through it. And how I worked through it was that book, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And again, one of those principles in there, outside of sitting with it and being aware of it and all that, was play it out. What's the worst case scenario, right? What's the worst case scenario? In both of those situations, what's the worst case scenario? Well, worst case scenario is I die. Like, okay. So that's the worst case scenario. Back it up from there, right? Back it up from there. And as you start to kind of look at it and say, okay, there is a slim, slight chance I could die, right? That's, that's a slim, that's a slight, that's a chance that we have. That's a chance that we take every day. Every day we get out of bed, there is a chance we could die right? Such a slim chance, even for those that have jobs that are dangerous, right? If you're a policeman or you're a fire fireman, fire person, um, or, or anything, I mean, what a fire race car driver, football player, I mean, doctor, lawyer, uh, trash man, um, manager, uh, <laughs> I mean, teacher, I mean, right. I mean, the, people have been killed in all different professions. People have died in all different professions. There's tragedy in all walks of life. So, you know, on one hand, we're, we're, we're never completely fully safe. Right. I mean, if just, I'm just being honest, right. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the reality of life period, but why focus on the slim chance of death or the slim chance of tragedy? I'd rather think and consume my mind with possibilities, potential with health and wealth and longevity with love, with joy, with peace, with restitution, with reconciliation, with forgiveness. I'd rather spend all my energy leaning on and thinking about those things. Okay, I have a question for you. 
or we'll have a statement and a question. So when we change, everything changes. So everything I'm just teaching, just try it. Be aware of it. Do it for a day. See what happens. Do it for a week, a month, a year. When we change, everything changes. What if our every thought could create our reality? What if, what if that was true? Like what, which I believe it is true, but what if our every thought could create our reality? I believe it does. I believe our every thought does create our reality. I don't know if you believe in the wisdom books, but there's a verse found in the book of Psalms, chapter 19, verse 14. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. What do we say? What do we think? What do we believe? I think these things matter in a big way. And we don't have to be a victim of our thoughts or even our surroundings or our current situation. You might be thinking, Timmy, my situation right now sucks. And that might be the facts of what is right now, but that doesn't mean that's the way it has to be. Right? It, it, the, the, the magic of this is not in, oh, I think positive and positive things happen. No, not, it's, it's not like magic. It's it, what it is, partly what it is. So there's a lot of different principles in this teaching that when revealed, it, it takes a little bit of the magic out of it, but it also helps you see the potential in it, right? So when you visualize wealth and health, it's not like that stuff just falls out of the sky magically and it just appears. But it what happens, okay, case in point, I hate to admit this, but I used to, when I was married, my ex and I had a minivan. Neither one of us were proud of the minivan and we never ever thought we'd ever own a minivan. But you know, when you have kids and a family, it's what you do. And it, they're great. Minivans are great. Okay. We had a Honda Odyssey. Great. Great, 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 great. Love it. L absolutely loved that car until we hated it. <laughs> anyway, um, we had never considered a minivan before, but I think one of our friends got one. So we started thinking about it and then we kind of picked out, ah, we want a, we want a Honda Odyssey. The, the next day we went out and saw a million Honda Odysseys. Now, you said, what, did they magically appear? No. Were those minivans already out there? Yes. What was the difference? We were looking for them. Does that make sense? In other words, they were already there, meaning there's good and wealth and health in the world today. But what are you looking at? Are you looking at the sickness and the economic struggle and the pain and the suffering? Or are you looking at the good, the blessing, the wealth, the health, the happiness? Just like the Honda Odyssey, the Honda Odysseys were out there and people were driving them and living their best life with a Honda Odyssey, right? With a minivan. And when we became aware and put our attention on a silver minivan, literally the next day, every, every single minivan, silver minivan in the world exposed itself to us. They were there all along. So that's what I'm trying to hopefully get you to understand today in this episode is that there is good all around. Look for it. There's opportunity all around. Look for it. There is happiness all around. Look for it. If you're single and you are looking for your soulmate or your true love or your perfect person or whatever it is that you, however you word that, that person is out there. You got to believe it. They are truly. I mean, like that's a, that's a fact, right? That, that they are out there and you have to just get the eyes of faith to see them because they're out there. So turning on the eyes of faith with belief, with your words, with your thoughts, resolving past issues, forgiving someone from your past that you need to forgive, 
letting go of any and all limiting beliefs and knowing that you can change, that you are able to change your world by simply changing your thoughts. Guys, I hope this today, I hope today's teaching was helpful. I hope that it inspires you to dream bigger dreams, to pursue bigger pursuits, and to accomplish everything that you want to accomplish in this life. Be kind, be good to each other. Peace.